his team leading us, and uh, he's going to share a little bit about this at the end of service so that you can sign up and be a part. I'm so glad that you're here this morning, and I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles out and turn to John chapter 11. You will need your Bibles this morning because there won't be a lot on the screen other than maybe some notes that you can take, and, and for that, I'd like you to get out your bulletins. I'd like everybody to get out your bulletins. Just believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak something uh, this morning, and on the back side of your bulletin is a place to take notes. And so I'm going to ask you to just take that out and get that ready to receive from the Lord and your Bibles. And uh, we're going to go into our next message in Red Letter Day. I'm sure you've heard of the phrase Red Letter Day. It means a special day, a significant day, some kind of, something great is happening on a Red Letter Day. And, and you've probably heard that. And you may not know where that phrase came from, and it actually came from the Middle Ages when most people couldn't read. And so the church would want to tell people what's taking place on different times in the church calendar, and, and they, could, they could see the days, but they couldn't see what was written that was happening that day. And so the special days, they wrote in red ink. So like Easter's coming up next month, and so Easter would be in red letters so that the common people would know, well, that day is special. I need to be in church on that day. And so that became the red letter day. And so since then, we call special days or significant days red letter days. And as you open your Bibles to Matt, or excuse me, John chapter 11, you're going to notice some words in red right there. Because in a lot of Bibles, not all Bibles, but most Bibles, the words of Jesus are printed in red ink. Again, to call our attention to those special words, not that they're more important than any other part of the Bible, but that they're significant because they're the words that Jesus spoke. He's our Lord, our Master, our Savior, and he spoke, and he didn't just speak to people 2,000 years ago. I want you to really understand this today, that Jesus speaks to us today, that those words in red are for you. And so as we look at these words today and throughout these weeks to come, Jesus is talking to you. He's equipping you to follow him, not just a group of people back then. He's going to equip you today, this morning, in this congregation. That's what the church does is we equip you to live the Christian life. And so you're being equipped by the words of Jesus today so that you can follow him. Because our lives need to be a lot more about him than about us. We must decrease so that he can increase. We have got to follow him and follow his words so that we're walking his way. That we're living out his words to a watching world. That our life is actually becoming his life. And so that's what is so important about looking at these and studying these and looking at John chapter 11 today. John chapter 11 is the story of the raising of Lazarus. And it's actually the entire chapter. And I knew with time-wise and we definitely want to go out and have some ice cream today. Uh, <laughs> it really was a good idea several months ago because March is spring, right? So you have ice cream. But, um, but it's a good time to fellowship and be together. But we want to definitely save some time for that, and we don't want everybody to run off. We want to fellowship with each other before we go today. So instead of reading the entire chapter, you can read that at any time. I'm going to ask you to have your Bibles open, and we'll look at specific verses as we go through. And what I want to do is, uh, again, instead of reading the entire chapter, there's actually a dramatic reading from the message translation. So it might be different than what you have open on your lap there. But the message translation is going to be dramatically read for us, uh, just portions of this chapter, so that we can get the story inside of us and see what is so significant 
about this last great miracle of Jesus. And what does Jesus want to tell you and me today? And how does he want us then to live our lives? So turn your attention toward the screen and open your hearts to the word of God in John chapter 11. sisters Mary and Martha sent Jesus a message. Master, the one you love so very much is sick. When Jesus heard this, he replied, The illness of Lazarus isn't the end of him. It's really for the glory of God. And through this illness, God's Son will receive glory. When Jesus arrived at Bethany in Judea, Martha and Mary's hometown, he found out Lazarus was dead. He'd been buried four days before. Martha heard Jesus had come to town, so she went to meet him while her sister Mary remained at home. Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Your brother will rise again. I know that he'll be raised up in the resurrection, but at the end of time, I am the resurrection and the life. The person who trusts me will live with God, even though his body dies. Everyone who trusts me and lives with God will never really die. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. All along, I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, he was deeply touched. Where did you bury Lazarus? He asked the people around him. Come and see. At this, Jesus cried. See how much Lazarus meant to Jesus, they whispered. Others grumbled. Well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man The tomb where Lazarus was buried was a cave with a large stone over the entrance. When Jesus came to the tomb, he again was deeply touched. Take the stone away, Jesus commanded. But master, by this time, there's a stench. He's been dead four days. Didn't I tell you? If you trusted me, you would see the glory of God. So they took the stone away from the tomb entrance. Jesus looked up prayed. Father, thank you for listening to me as you always do. I say this prayer so the people here might believe you sent me. covered with a cloth shroud. Untie him, Jesus commanded. Many of the people who came to Mary's house saw what Jesus did, and they put their trust in him. This is one of the most fascinating miracles that Jesus does, and there are so many elements that are so 
unique to only this story. But I want to make some observations and then give you some lessons, and that's why I want you to have your sermon notes out. But this is a story where Jesus knows that his friend is sick and dying, and yet he waits. He waits for him to die. And Jesus is very clear that death will not be the final outcome of this story, but Jesus doesn't go right away. He waits. And the first observation is, is that God doesn't always do what we expect him to do. Mary and Martha expected Jesus to come. They were close to Jesus. They expected that when he heard that he was sick, that he would come, not wait four days, probably even longer since he'd been dead for four days. I mean, he wouldn't wait, would he? I mean, he'd come right away if he knew. And yet the person that delivered the message to Jesus, probably went back and told them he's not coming. He'll come later. And they're probably thinking, Jesus, you're, you're wasting time. We, we're losing time here, Jesus. And I just want to tell you this this morning. There's no lost time with Jesus. He may not be doing exactly what we expect him to do, but there's no lost time. Jesus doesn't go earlier, I believe, because I think if he would have gone earlier, he would have healed Lazarus, and he wanted to do something different. No, he wanted to do something bigger. The next thing, observation I make is that when I look at the life of Martha and Mary, is that they believed God to a point, but they were concerned that he couldn't do anything yet. Jesus, if you would have been here, they say. And it's not just, the, not just Mary and Martha, it's all the people. If, if you would have been here, Jesus, you could have done something. And so we, we see that they had faith to a point, but now he's dead. We believe you, but, but now it's, it's crossed too far. And Jesus, if you just would have been here, they had faith to a point. And before we're too hard on these sisters, that's all of us. We believe God to a point. God, if you, if you would have showed up in my marriage just a few years earlier, or God, I'm just, I am so broke, I'm too broke, I'll never get out of debt now. Or, or this relationship, my kids are so lost, or I am so broken, or, you know, I, I, God, if you just would have come earlier, maybe we could have done something about it, but now I'm just holding on till heaven. Really? See, a lot of times we get that feeling like, God, I know you can do so much, but I don't know if you can do it all. We're just, it's too fill in the blank. It's too far gone. But that leads me to my next observation is that Jesus will do all, always do more than you expect. Jesus will always do more than you expect because God has something bigger and he has something better. He has something that he wants to do. It may not be what you want to do, but it's what he wants to do. And that tells me that he has a plan, that God has a plan. He's not just winging it. He has a plan, and it, the plan will bring glory to him. You know that many people follow Jesus because of the death of Lazarus? In fact, Jesus becomes so popular after the death of Lazarus, which is going to lead to the triumphal entry. Jesus becomes so popular that the religious leaders want to kill Lazarus as well. We'll talk more about that in, in just a bit. But, but this plan is to bring glory to God. And so what, we, what do we learn? What's the observation? I mean, We've got we to gotta get in tune with this plan. We've got to get in tune with this plan because Jesus did. 
it's the best. We've got to see what God is doing and get in the middle of it. That's what I love about the Holy Spirit. That's what I love about Wednesday nights to this point as we've been learning about the Holy Spirit and practicing in the Holy Spirit and listening to his voice and obeying his voice and all these things in regards to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit leads us into perfect obedience. See, Jesus perfectly obeyed his heavenly Father. He didn't obey the voice of, of Mary and Martha that called him right then. He's like, no, God has something else, and I'm going to walk in perfect obedience to the will of the Father. And we can walk in that perfect obedience if we stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. If we listen to the voice that is leading us and guiding us. And so what do we learn? I have four things for you today. Those are some observations about this very unique miracle. But what do we learn? Number one, we learn that Jesus is our friend. Jesus is our friend. Jesus had a very close relationship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They opened their home for Jesus. They always made room for Jesus in their lives. They, they had a deep faith in Jesus. They loved him. There was a relationship there. In fact, when the sisters send word to Jesus about Lazarus, they say, your, your, your dear friend, Phileo, the, the one you love is sick. Jesus was their friend. And he's our friend. And even when they were disappointed by Jesus, you notice that both sisters still fall at the feet of Jesus when they arrive. They, they still worshipped him. They still had that close relationship. And when he saw how deeply they were moved, and when he saw that his friend Lazarus was dead, we get the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. I don't know about you, but that amazes me. Because Jesus knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And yet he weeps, and we know why he weeps, because the next verse says, see how he loved him. I mean, Jesus loved Lazarus, and even though he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he still weeps. This has been a week of weeping in our family. My grandma Mead, Ella Mead, passed away. And I'm happy. I am. I mean, those final days weren't good. But she, trust me, she's so happy right now. And I thought I had said goodbye, and I thought um, everything was good. And then when you actually hear it, we got together as a family and Sarah went to my grave. I got like half a second to think, like, thank you, God. I just became unbelievable. I know Grandma's in a better place. I know that I'll see her again. But my heart's still breaking. We have a God whose heart breaks that can grieve with us. You have a friend, a friend. He calls you his friend. You know that when it says you're a friend of God, when he says I call you friends, those are words in red. Those are Jesus' words. That's not somebody telling you that God loves you. That's Jesus saying, I love you. You are my friend. You are the one that I love. See in this story, Jesus is our friend. Jesus is next, our life. Jesus is our life. Death feels like that ultimate end, that final defeat. It's all over. Sometimes we don't even have to wait till death to have that feeling. Sometimes we hit those dead ends in our life that are such a, a, a crashing end to something that we just feel like it's all over.
even Jesus said that Lazarus had died very clearly to the disciples. First, that, well, he's sleeping, and then when they didn't get that, he said, no, guys, he's dead. But I love verse 4. He says, but it will not end in death. I love that. It will not end in death. With Jesus, death never has the final word. Your dead end is not the end. There's always a resurrection coming with Jesus. He is our friend. He is our life. Number three, he is our power. He's our power. I mean, everything in this story is powerful. I mean, everything. And think about it. This guy has been dead in the grave for four days. And he's going to be risen from the dead and walk out of that grave. I mean, that is power on display. Jesus said in verse 40, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? John says throughout his gospel, he's saying, please look at what I do. And when you see what I do, then you will believe and then you will have life. I believe that believing is seeing. When we believe God is going to show up, that he will show up, that we will see him at work. And God wants you to believe him. Another unique thing about this, this miracle is this is the only miracle Jesus prays for. The only miracle he prays for. It's verses 41 and 42. And this is the prayer. This is what's so unique. Now, he heals people all the time in very unique ways. But he never says a prayer when he heals somebody until now. And this prayer is very interesting. He says, Father, I know that you're hearing me in heaven because you always hear me when I pray. And I'm not praying so that you'll hear me. I'm praying so that everyone here will hear me and that they will know that you sent me. I love that prayer because you know what Jesus is doing in that prayer? He's trying to stir the faith up of the people around him. Everybody watching, what's going to happen? What's going to take place? Jesus is praying to stir up their faith. I believe that Jesus wants to stir up our faith. He's saying, just believe, just trust me, just try me, just believe, just, just know that I have the power. And I love, it says that he called out in a loud voice. You could use the word strong, the word powerful in the Greek there, but it's a word that's very rarely used in the life of Jesus. He very rarely spoke loudly, but in this case, he spoke loudly and says, Lazarus, come forth. I don't know about you, but I want to hear God's loud voice in my life. I want him to say my name. I want when I'm at a dead-end situation, that Jesus to say, come forth. That's what I want to hear. That's what I believe. And I know that Jesus is looking to call our name. We may come staggering out like Lazarus is, but we're going to come out through the power of God. The next thing we see is that Jesus is our substitute. You go beyond the actual miracle and follow the story a little bit farther. Jesus becomes more popular at this time than he's ever been before. And I told you about this. In, it's actually in the next chapter, John chapter 12, uh, where it says in verse 10 and 11, then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, uh, for it was because of him that many of the people were deserting them and believed in Jesus. And this is right before the triumphal entry. So Jesus' popularity is going to be at an all-time high. And, and so the, this, is, this is setting everything up for the cross, why Jesus came. And in chapter 11, there's a very prophetic statement made by Caiaphas, the high priest, although he didn't know he was being prophetic. He thought he was speaking in relationship to the Jews and to the Romans. But he says this in verse 50, you 
don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. Caiaphas prophesies substitutionary atonement, and he doesn't even know it. I love it. How can we explain this in a story? Well, this comes from the Kajabi Medical Center in Kenya. It tells about a case of a young girl named Monica that fell into a pit and broke her leg and could not get out. And so an older woman walking by named Mama Najiri happened along, and she climbed into the pit to help Monica get out. But in the process, a dangerous black mamba snake bit both Mama Najiri and Monica. Monica was taken to the Kajabi Medical Center and was admitted, but Mama Najiri went home, went to sleep, and never woke up. The next day, the missionary nurse explained Mama Najiri's death to Monica, telling her that the snake had bitten both of them, but all the snake's poison was expended on Mama Najiri, and none was given to Monica. Jesus took all our poison. Jesus took all of our sin on the cross. And with the story of Lazarus, what he's saying is, look, I can take somebody through death back to life. That's no problem. But you're going to do that in new life now. You're going to walk in newness of life. I'm going to raise you up right now and forever. And that the only real life, the only eternal life is going to be found in Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be your atonement. I'm going to be there. And so what is our response to this Jesus? Who's our friend, our life, our power, our substitute. I love that we have a God who weeps with us, but I also love that we have a God who raises the dead to life. That's the God we serve. I talk about my grandma Mead in the Bible blog in the bulletin. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works things out because I actually was going to share some of these thoughts that I just shared with you on a Wednesday night, and I believe God said, no, I want you to save it for this day. No idea that my grandma was going to pass away, but the idea that we're talking about Jesus being the resurrection and the life, I, I, just, I just love that my grandma is with Jesus now, that she believed she put her hope in him, and she shared him with as many people as she could. And I wrote just a, a short paragraph on her legacy, and um, she was an amazing woman. And, and those of you that knew her, and you probably didn't see her the last few years of her life because she wasn't able to come to church very often. But if you were around here any length of time, you knew Ella Mead. And you would know that she's not somebody that would ever want to get up in front. She'd never want to stand behind a pulpit and preach to hundreds of people. She would never want to even talk in front of a, a small group. She just, she was personal. She was one-on-one. -on -one. And what was amazing was how many lives she impacted. Because the word began to spread that she had passed. And I can't tell you how many cards we've gotten in the mail, comments and posts on Facebook or phone calls or what. Just people from across the decades, 
LME meant this to me, or that's what you just, she did this. She never met a person that she wouldn't pray with or that she wouldn't serve. It was all one-on-one. She never met a person she wouldn't put her arm around and help. The Holy Spirit is, is so beautiful because last night I was sharing about my grandma as I'm, I'm sharing now. And a, a woman came, and, and this was her first time, and, and she had actually watched our TV program on Friday night. And as she's watching the TV program, the Holy Spirit told her, you need to go to that church tomorrow. She's like, I live far away. I, I, don't, I go to another. I, why do I need to go to this church? And the Holy Spirit said, you need to go to this church. Not knowing who I was or who the church was. And, and so anyway, after the service, I'm talking to her, and she goes, you're not going to believe this. I got saved in 1980 at Philadelphia Church in Chicago. And she goes, my life was so messed up. And, and I, I was so broken. And, and your grandma put her arm around me and discipled me and led me. And now we're 30, 40 years later standing in a church lobby talking about the legacy of my grandma. God does something in our life when he comes in. See, my grandma knew what it was like to go from darkness to light. And she wanted to help as many people make that journey. You know what's interesting about Lazarus? We don't know that he ever stood up and told the story of Jesus healing him. But we know that every time somebody saw him, they knew what happened. They knew the story of Jesus raising him from the dead. See, do you think that Lazarus was ever afraid to die again? Seriously, think about it. You know, that was, that's what was amazing about having Don Piper here a few weeks back, and we're out at lunch. This guy, he's just like, whatever. Heaven's coming. I just want to get to heaven. I mean, just once you've been there, I mean, once you, once you know that death has no power over you, it's like, bring it on. I'm good. And until then, for the glory of God, whether it be writing a book to six million people or whether it be praying for somebody one-on-one, Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it for the glory of God, bringing people from death to life, from darkness to light. That's our call. The words in red today that I want us to remember that will be read at my grandma's funeral and the funeral of all believers is John 11:25. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. I want to ask you this morning. This is a, kind of an element of the story I didn't share with you, but I'm going to share with you right now because I think the Holy Spirit wants to do this. I'm going to ask you, what stones do you need to roll away? Because there's a very interesting part of this miracle is that Jesus asks them to roll away the stones. When you think about it, he's raising somebody from the dead. That's a pretty powerful thing. He could have just exploded that stone off the grave, and Lazarus could have come out. But he tells them, roll away the stone. And I believe the reason he tells them to roll away the stone is because that rolling away of the stone is their act of faith. And and so let me ask you this. What's dead in your life? What dead end do you need to roll the stone away from? And say, God, do what you want to do. What's that area of your life that you need to roll the stone away? away what have you like Martha and Mary I I believe if you would have showed up earlier God it would have been okay but now it's too late what do you need where what line do you need to move 
and say, God, I, I know you can do more. God, I know you have a plan. God, I know you work all things together for good. So, God, I'm not sure exactly how you're doing it, but I believe you can do it. I'm going to roll away that stone of unbelief. I'm going to roll away that stone that's locking up something that's dead. I'm going to roll it away so that your power can be shown. Let me ask you another question. What, or I should say, who do you need to share this power with? Who do you need to share Jesus with? Just as Lazarus with his life or my grandma shared Jesus with other people, who do you need to share it with? This power isn't just for us, it's for us as well. Who do you need to put your arm around? Who do you need to lead to follow Jesus? Not that they follow you, but they'll follow Jesus. Who do you need to do that to? Would you bow your heads and your hearts? Give us faith. I want to pray for you this morning, and with your head bowed and your eyes closed, and with people watching online and, and listening, and however you're hearing this right now, I want to give you the opportunity to, to grab hold of the Jesus that we just learned about, the Jesus who is our friend, our life, our power, but ultimately our substitute. I want you to give you an opportunity to, to begin to follow him so that those words in red are, are for you. And we do that by making that commitment to follow Jesus. And I'm going to ask you today to first make that commitment, and then I'm going to pray for all of us that God will increase our faith, that, that we won't just expect to God, God to do something, and then when he doesn't, we're like, oh, well, if he would have, that would have been great, but I guess it's not for me. And that, that God will increase our faith that we will roll away the stones, that we'll see the power of God in our life, and that we'll share his power with others. You have a legacy to live. My grandma began a legacy in our family. You can begin one today. I'm going to ask you if you're willing to follow Jesus to repeat this prayer after me so that he can come in, he can forgive your sins, make you new, and that you can walk and follow him. Everybody that wants to make that decision to follow Jesus, repeat this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we just thank you for coming into hearts and lives, Lord, for bringing prodigals home. Lord, I thank you this morning that we can put our hope and our trust in you. God, I thank you that we can begin our worship today to roll the stone away. And God, that we'll see your power because God, you never, ever fail. Jesus, you never fail. And so Lord, I pray that you would increase our faith to believe. Lord, that we would live these words out, that we would not fear death, but that we would live for you, that our lives would point others to follow you. 
Lord, whether you've given us a platform to speak to hundreds or thousands or whether you've given us a platform just to minister to one at a time, whatever it is, Lord, we will leave a legacy. We will live as Lazarus to bring glory to your name so that many will follow and many will know. But Lord, begin in us now. Increase our faith as we worship you. Would you stand this morning and let's worship together as we conclude our service.
us this morning are the words in red that this won't end in death. Even death doesn't end in death. It ends in new life. So whatever you're facing, it won't end in death. God's at work. Let his resurrection power come in. Increase your faith. And share it with others. I love what God is doing. He's birthing something. Just lift your hands before the Lord. We just wait on you, Lord. To birth your words in red in our hearts. Lord, I pray for resurrection power. I pray that we would hear our name in a loud voice. That we would hear, come out. Come alive. Come new. Thank you. We receive from you this morning all that you have. Increase our faith in us. never too far gone, too far lost, too far undone. Nothing is too hard for you. You never fail. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the plan that you have for us. Thank you for the hope and the future that we have in you. May we be people that walk in being led of the Holy Spirit as Jesus walking in that perfect obedience. I love hearing the voice of the Lord. I love being close to him. I love that, uh, you know, you're not alone. Sometimes you feel like I'm, I'm struggling, I'm facing this, I'm facing that, this dead end, man. It, God's with you. His power wants to be displayed in your life. He wants to do something in you that when other people see it, they're like, man, that's only God. <laughs> that's God. God wants to do that with you, each and every one of you. I love it. God is good. I'm going to ask you just to be seated for a moment. We do this, uh, and this is just an act of obedience. Because there are words in red that Jesus gives us about caring for those that are in need. And on the first weekend of every month, we receive a special offering. This is an above and beyond offering. I don't want you to feel any obligation to give. This is not tithes and offerings. This is an offering specifically to people in need that are poor. Um, and there are those in our church that we help. There are those outside of our church and sometimes once in a while overseas. But this offering goes for those that are in need. And um, as you can imagine, uh, there are many, many in need. And so I just encourage you to, to give if you can. If, if you're one of those people in need, do not feel any obligation to give uh, whatsoever. Um, but, if, but if you have a little more money at the end of the month than other people do, just give, and everything you give in this offering, the entire offering goes to help people in need, okay? Just want you to know that. I invite the men and women to come down. Lord, we just pray uh, for those that feel as though um, in their poverty they're at a dead end. God, I pray that as they receive this gift from you, Lord, that they will know that you provide miracles. And so, Lord, thank you for using us as we give this morning to help those uh, that are at a crisis moment in their life. And so, God, again, thank you for this opportunity to give. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
As you give this morning, I'm going to invite Mark to come up. And, and following Jesus is so key, so important. Um, and I want our men to follow Jesus. And there's a great event for the men. And uh, we're going to step out in just a moment. And uh, you can sign up with Mark. Thank you, Pastor Darrell. Uh, guys, in your uh, bulletin, we do have a green insert that you can refer to for the conference that I'm going to be talking about. And this is the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference. That's coming up in two weeks, two weeks from yesterday. And when I thought about this whole concept of iron sharpens iron, it made me think of an analogy from my job as a police officer with all the stuff that I carry on my belt. I feel like Batman with my utility belt. There's so many different things on there. Uh, but a couple of things that I carry, I carry two different knives. One of my knives is my old flea market knife that I bought 17 years ago when I got hired. And that thing, has, uh, it's dull. The screw falls out. I didn't even bring it here because I didn't know if it would fall apart up here. Uh, but it has gouges in it. Uh, if I would rub my finger on the blade, I probably wouldn't even cut myself. But I keep that knife because that thing, it gets into door jams. It's able to pop locks if I need to get in someplace in an emergency. And so there's still a purpose for it. But that's my dull knife. My other knife, my good knife, is this guy right here. This is the one that cuts. This is the one that if I need to cut a seat belt, if I need to cut a tourniquet, something like that, I know this guy's here for me. And this is the one that I take to the farmer's market in summertime and I get sharpened. This is the one that lasts. This is the important knife that I carry. And I started thinking about that analogy for us as men. That unfortunately sometimes I think we're kind of the dull knives. We have a purpose. We're there. We exist. We make money for our families. Um, we're the ones that end up killing the bugs. We take the trash out. So we have a purpose. But there's more than that. I want to be the sharp knife. I want to be the knife that goes beyond that. And you know what, guys? Our wives need us to be that sharp knife. Our kids need us to be that sharp knife. Our neighbors, our community, God needs us to be that sharp knife. And so this Iron Sharpens Iron Conference is a one-day conference and it's for guys 13 and up. So guys, bring your sons. Grandpas, bring your grandsons 13 and up. And there's so many breakout sessions that will sharpen us as men, that teach us how to, to dive into scripture, how to study the word, how to share our faith, how to be better fathers, how to be more effective as students in our schools. There's so many different things we can get from this. And it's in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be out in the lobby to sign up. So I'd hope that uh, you would come visit me today. And wives, kick your husbands over there so that they can get sharpened and become that useful knife that we are called to be. Thanks, Mark. So, uh, <laughs> you need to go so that you can be the sharpest knife in the drawer. That's what you want to be. So, and uh, we need that as church, too, for our, our men. Um, in just a moment, uh, the worship team is going to let us go with a, a great song as we exit. But... Um, Today is a special day. We have ice cream for everybody. And um, so have some ice cream. This is it. I want us to fellowship with each other. That's why we're doing this. I'd love to meet you. If I've never met you before, we've just passed each other and said hi. I'd like to meet you, know your name. If you're new to the church, please come say hi to me. Uh, and just I want to talk to everybody. I love talking to people. So we're just going to hang out. I want you to fellowship with un one another. Say hi to somebody you don't know. Start a relationship out there. And uh, so, again, uh, that's all going to take place out in the lobby. Today, if you gave your heart to Jesus, 
uh, I want you to come up after church and just grab one of these bags that are up here. It's got a Bible in there, some prayers, different things for you to start your journey of following Jesus. And for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about Jesus' words in red. So just keep coming back, keep learning about Jesus, but you can grab that before you go. If you're here for the first time, we just want to give a gift to you. And so in the lobby, we have uh, Joel Steen's new book, Breakout. Talk about a great book, talking about resurrection power. You can pick that up there for all of our first-time guests. And I hope you got it in the mail. If you didn't, it's coming. Uh, But if you didn't get it and you want it, our new devotional just came out. You need to get God's Word inside of you every single day. There's someone extras in the lobby if you want to give to a family member, a friend. Um, If you want an extra one for yourself, just make sure that you, you grab one of those and grow in God all week long. It's been good to be together, hasn't it, in the house of the Lord? And I want to tell you, it's worth getting out in the middle of the snow to come and worship together because God always has a word for us. And that's why I want to invite you back Wednesday night so we keep growing and going in the Holy Spirit. Would you stand for the blessing of the Lord this morning? And then we're going to have some ice cream together. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, today we realize that that blessing is upon us because we are your friends. Lord, your life is becoming our life as we follow you. God, we want to see your power displayed in our life. God, we we thank you that you were our substitute. But most of all, God, we we want to follow you and we want to bring as many people along as we can. So, Lord, we walk in that blessing, but may we share that blessing with others this week. Keep us safe and strong so we can gather together again as a church and worship you. Pray this in Jesus' name.